Some months ago, uh, I decided that I was going to talk about peace on Christmas Eve, and my idea at the time really was to talk about uh, peace in our own hearts and peace in our own families and to really celebrate the season in terms of just the, the quiet joys of what's important in our own homes and our own lives. Recently, though, however, it seems to me that the idea of peace on earth is perhaps more important, more, more global, certainly more community-wide than, than just our own individual hearts. And so I, I ended up changing my talk a little bit. Even, even this week, as the Koreans have decided that it's important for their intercontinental ballistic missiles to be able to reach the West Coast. And, uh, and even as the, the Holy Land is, uh, is having uh, uh, some skirmishes right now, it perhaps seemed more important to me to take a proactive idea of peace beyond maybe just what's in our own simple hearts. So, uh, so let's talk about it a little bit. You know, a few thousand, well, 2,000 and some years ago, there was a, a fellow born who was called the Prince of Peace. And uh, if you take a look through scripture or even just some of the Bible stories that you might remember from a child in Sunday school, you'll recognize that this fellow accomplished a lot of things and he did so nonviolently. Uh, it's no wonder that he uh, became known as the Prince of Peace. He was there as a force of love. He was there as a force of nonviolence, but yet change. Great changes happened through the instrument of Jesus. And so tonight, so tonight, I thought it might be kind of fun to actually examine Jesus's life for a moment and try to decide what made it so peaceful, how he was able to do the things that he did without resorting to violence, the, the huge changes, the huge light that he brought into the world through nonviolence. Well, first of all, what I recognized is that he was a major meditator. If, again, scripturally, especially if you read the Gospels, you'll, you'll discover that very often he would take himself away from the crowds, uh, uh, away from the fray, even away from his own disciples, went up into the mountains, went on a, a walkabout to really, in his own mind, decide what was important and what was best. What ways to deal with his own troubled life that would not require violence, that would be powerful both to him and the people around him, to really make a statement for not only power, but also peace. A meditator, and also a prayer. One of the, of course, uh, things that stand out in the Bible, whether you read the Lord's Prayer, or one of the many other prayers that are written down of his, he believed in prayer prior to action, to meditate, to really think about what was important, to act from a place of love and integrity, even if the actions uh, he knew were going to bring about great change. Another thing that he stood for was inclusivity. And uh, he got a lot of flack for that, by the way, when he would sit down with the money changers or, or uh, invite the, the Gentiles into his predominantly uh, Jewish uh, uh, teaching chapter at that time. Oh, my Lord, people took great exception to that. And yet, for him, the inclusion of everyone was essential. This was not a, a path to enlightenment. This was not a, a path towards a greater awareness of the, the good of the universe that was just for a select few. It wasn't just for the rich. It wasn't just for people of a certain color, a certain temperament. Everyone, everyone was welcome. 
And thirdly, what occurs to me was that he was a lifelong learner and a lifelong teacher. Uh, one of the things that I love to do when I'm reading the Bible is to really concentrate in on uh, the parables of Jesus where I think that we get his teachings at its highest and most clear. And you can see he learned from everyday life, whether it was a parable about uh, um, um, seeds and, and growing things or, or arborists or uh, laborers in the field. You know that he spent a lot of time with the common man, with the, the families and the men and women that made up his world, both learning, really listening, what was important to them, but also telling stories and using that as a teaching mechanism um, for some of the greatest teachings on the planet. And so what did he actually teach, if you will, about peace? Um, Kate was kind enough to read the, the birth of Jesus, and I would like to share uh, something from Philippians 4. Um, this was uh, uh, Paul's letter to the people of Philippia, and he talked specifically about Jesus' message of peace. In chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in God always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. God is near. And do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, dwell upon these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will always be with you. And so this essential teaching, it sounds a little hauntingly familiar to us here in Science of Mind, doesn't it? First, again, he talks about, uh, you know, whatever's going on with you, don't be anxious about it, don't dwell on the negative. He says with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, right? Isn't that the very essence of what we teach? And then he goes on to talk about that essential nature of keeping your heart and your mind in the positive. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, anything, keep that above all in our minds. This is the road to peace. It isn't dwelling on the negativity that's going on in the world. It isn't spending your time around the water cooler at work and talking about uh, what terrible thing happened here or what might happen there. It's about knowing the truth of love, of peace, of joy for you, for your family, for your community. It's about holding it in your heart and through your own meditation, through your own prayer, finding that place of peace. Now I know this is a little tricky. I know uh, occasionally we're, we're attempting to legislate peace. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we think that by uh, uh, a certain piece of legislation or, or uh, certain levels of diplomacy or, or whatever it is that we can come up with laws or, or, uh, or accords or, uh, or things like that that will bring about a peace. And although this may be true on the outside of things, 
What I know is that peace starts here. It isn't something that can be dictated through a law. It isn't uh, something where safety measures can simply be implemented. You know, I, uh, recently uh, my partner and I and uh, some family members uh, uh, flew off to... Um, uh, to Disney World and had such a great time. And on the way, of course, it was all the rigmarole in the airport, right? It's like we were scanned, our baggage was scanned. Some, some of my family's over here laughing. It like took a long time to get through all that stuff. And I hate to even think what our luggage went through. Do you know what I mean? When we opened our suitcases when we got to Florida, it's like, oh my God, I thought I'd packed. Someone else had repacked it all. Do you know what I mean? As they'd gone through all of our clothes and stuff. Now I gotta tell you, this is a way of legislating peace. Do you know what I mean? It's a way through a mechanism, if you will, of attempting to maintain our safety. Did that process make us feel safe? Not really. Not really. I mean, you read down the list of all the terrible things people got. I mean, you're standing in line, right? And they're flashing on the board up there, listing all the hazardous materials that could make the plane blow up, and you can't take those, and, and you have to take your shoes off because people have worn bombs in their, in their shoes. And, and you know, what occurred to me is this may, on some level, make us safer on the outside, but it doesn't make our hearts feel any safer. It doesn't bring about a lasting peace in me. And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Of course, we need to keep ourselves safe. We need to keep our family safe. We need to do whatever we can to keep our, our children and our world safe. And at the same time, if we dwell on the negative, if all of our energy is in what might go wrong, if all of our energy is in the newspaper headlines that, that talk about war and, uh, and distress, what I know is that that's then what is true for our hearts. That is true for our minds, and it will bring more of it. There is nothing like a powerful attractor through our minds and our hearts. It's the fundamental teachings of what we do here on Sunday is to tell everybody, warn them and bless them from the highest level that what we hold true in our minds and in our hearts, we're going to see a lot more of it. <laughs> and so when in our hearts we hold peace and joy and a feeling of safety and a feeling of loving our, our children and being with our families and the, the joy joy of Christmas and the sweetness of life, when we hold that dear to us and powerfully to us, i got to tell you, the laws that need to get passed will get passed. The external things that need, to be, uh, that need to be in place to bring about world peace will happen if everyone on the planet already has that peace here. If everyone on the planet already has that sense of joy, that sense of belonging, that sense of knowing that they can be heard and that their message is, is true and important in the world, when we all feel that, oh my gosh, we don't need to worry about whether the Democrats and the Republicans are going to fight over some law that may or may not make us safer. We don't need to worry about uh, how we're going to keep our schools safe or our shopping centers safe. Those are things that are important, yes. And what I know is the true safety, the true peace, the true joy 
The true power of our lives exists here and here first. And when the world has peace on the mind, if you will, when each one of us is a prince of peace in our own families, in our own lives, in our own places of work, in, in our own communities, when we can stand for peace in the same way that Jesus stood for peace, then that will be the order of the day. And the laws will fall into place if they need to, and whatever safety measures will fall into place if they need to. But you know what? If that is in all of our hearts, it probably won't even need to. When all of us represent peace, I think it'll be a lot easier to get to Disney World next time. So I'd like to leave you with, uh, with a simple message, I, which I think is um, what Jesus lived by and for. And, I, and I'll summarize it simply in the three things I mentioned before. Are you taking time for prayer and meditation? Are you taking the time to slow down enough to take things into prayer and meditation before you act on them? Are you peaceful in that way? Because that requires peace on your part. Before you take an action in the world, take it into prayer, take it into meditation. See if it's still true. See if it plays out for your friends and your families in the world at large. And then make your decision, whatever it might be. The other thing that I suggest is to be above all inclusive. In this fast-paced society, I know it's real easy for us to, to just get squeezed into our own little box and we see the same 10 people every week. Do you know what I mean? Um, we're in the same carpool and we see the same people at work and we see the same people at our grocery stores and by and large, aren't they people that look like us and believe like us? See, here's the problem. If we move just in the circles of people that look like us and believe like us and act like us, there is a whole 80% of the world that we don't know anything about. And how can we maintain peace? How can we be loving? How can we really be with people if we don't even know who they are and what they stand for and what's true for them? So in the same way that uh, that Jesus would sit down with... Uh, um, so many different kinds of people, um, with prostitutes, with, uh, uh, with people of the legal uh, profession, with Gentiles, with Jews, with, with, it's like you name it. In the same way that he would include them into his life, I ask if we should not do a better job of including other people, even people unlike us into our own lives, to really understand their issues, to understand what's up for them. And then finally, that lifelong learning that Jesus so represented. That willingness to make a change in our own beliefs when someone presents us with a better way or new options or better ways of looking at things. Are we open to that? Are we lifelong learners and lifelong teachers? Can we take the time to teach our own children what's important? Can we take the time to really find out what's important for ourselves? So I'm leaving you, I know, with some questions. And we're going to get on with, uh, with a robust caroling service here. A little bit later, we're going to do a candle lighting so that you can uh, um, really, um, what, would I, what do I want to say, ground yourself in your own Christmas message of light and joy. But for now, I am just going to leave you 
with that final question, what can each of us do to become a prince or a princess of peace in our own world? Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much.